Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, and joining me is my good friend Frank Madden. Frank, how are you today? Well, I, I said on Friday I expected a split of these two games, but and 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 after I said it, I realized that it, it merely wasn't terribly logical to say that I'd rather see the Bucks beat the Bulls than the Hawks because the Hawks obviously are the team the Bucks are chasing for the fifth spot uh, versus the Bulls, who, I mean, they're only two and a half games back at the Bucks now in the playoff standings. But uh, it was definitely an emotional thing when I said that I would rather see the Bucks beat the Bulls. And I got the opposite. So we got the split. But uh, unfortunately, we're recording not after a um, pretty fun but not convincing win over the Hawks on Friday. Instead, we're recording after the Bucks lose a... Uh, I don't even know what do you what do you call a 109-94 loss to a disjointed Chicago Bulls franchise that let's be honest is not setting the world on fire right now. I don't, I don't have many good adjectives for it. Um, I'll just use a noun. It's an egg. They laid an egg. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, at some point this probably had to occur. Um, just kind of looking at the Bucks' recent run, obviously they have that that really strong West Coast road trip and there just been pretty much a, a bunch of games where they they came out and fought and uh, there was at least moments where where stuff was close and you kind of felt good about what the Bucks were doing and I mean even even on that road trip the, the loss in Memphis didn't feel that bad and the the loss against Golden State again didn't 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 feel terrible. Like there was at least a couple moments in that Golden State game you could feel good about, but this game against Chicago, ugh. <laughs> I'm trying to think of my the most po- positive moment, and maybe it's the steal in let's see, what was that the fourth quarter to cut it to twelve, where Middleton gets it and just kind of like taps it somewhat behind his back to Giannis, Giannis to Brogdon, Brogdon back to Giannis, and a dunk and. Like even that, like that, that was not not necessarily an incredible play, but it was a good play, and like there was just no energy coming off of it. Like the the crowd was out of it, the team seemed out of it, and yeah, it, I, I would I would describe this one as an egg. Uh, it was it was an egg laid, and yeah, it, it was not pretty. Yeah, I mean, well, the the interesting thing was, I mean, the Bucks looked like they were going to be well on their way to another win early in the second quarter. They're up forty three to thirty. Uh, Giannis was on the bench. Middleton, Monroe uh, were leading that second unit. Toledovich was hitting some shots, and they were expanding their lead with Jimmy Butler on the bench. Giannis had had a big first quarter, ten points, uh, a couple of sensational dunks. He was doing his one man wrecking crew thing in half in uh, transition, and. You know, kind of both teams are going shot for shot as usual. Robin Lopez always hits tons of mid-range jumpers against the Bucks. He was doing more of that. Miritich got off early, but you know they were kind of going blow for blow. And then Butler goes out, and the Bucks expand their lead. And uh, 
unfortunately, that's really when the wheels came off completely. And, you know, uh, certainly very, uh, very concerning that, you know, the Bucks end up losing this game in, in going away fashion, 109-94, when they look to be in complete control of it really early in the second quarter. And you thought, hey, yeah. maybe another another blowout win over the Bulls. But instead, um, Butler, I mean, he just put on a, a, a he did have six turnovers, but um, you know, he just put on a show. He was the best player on the court. I thought 14 assists, 20 points. Um, I, I thought he made life when they switched him on to Giannis. He took Giannis out of the game a little bit, um, made life a little bit harder for him. And, um, you know, his playmaking and, and setting up Meritich in particular. And I mean, I, I don't know. I, I got kind of sick of seeing Rajon Rondo uncontested layups as well. Um, but just uh, quickly became a very forgettable game for the Milwaukee Bucks after what seemed like a pretty good start i will say this tonight or i guess this afternoon this afternoon made me totally fascinated by we, we always talk about in the playoffs and uh, again we've talked about the probability of the bucks making the playoffs but in a playoff series i'm fascinated to see how other teams try to take Giannis out of the game defensively if that makes sense that uh, i think there's a the Giannis just does so much defensively and he's so disruptive as a help defender that I think the I mean once you get into a playoff series you're seeing a team night after night after night and maybe in game one teams won't find a great way to do it but I think as games go on they'll find a better and better way and today I thought the the best way to take him out of it defensively was Miritich got hot and then all of a sudden start putting lineup combinations out there that force Giannis to cover Miritich. And I thought that's what Hoiberg did. And uh, again, I'm trying to think in the middle of that run in the third quarter, it was two threes from Miritich and both of them were Giannis overhelping and Miritich eventually getting an open three. And again, obviously you have to credit, credit Butler and how, how good he was able to get into lane. Same thing with Rondo and the, the Bucks just couldn't seem to contain them. But in, in the same way, Giannis wasn't really able to make an impact because he was covering Miritich, and then his his instincts were to try to help and try to do something, and it, the Bucks just kept paying for it over and over again. So um, I think that's going to be a fascinating thing to watch once we get into the playoffs is can other teams put enough shooting on the floor, especially in that four spot where you don't have a matchup where you can let Giannis hang out in the middle of the floor. Because um, defensively, I, I think that's huge for the Bucks. When he's able to be a, a destroyer of worlds and he is able to block shots and get in passing lanes and do those sorts of things, the Bucks can can be a at least solid defensive team. But if he's taken out of the game, well, then you're going to see what you saw today where the Bulls put up a offensive rating of 118. And again, that you have a guy that shoots six of nine from three and you shoot 47% from three, you're going to have a good day offensively. Um, but still, I, I'm, I'm totally fascinated by how teams try to leverage Giannis kind of against the Bucks. I, I kind of wonder, I, I commented before the game that I thought uh, I, I was less afraid of the Bulls actually in some ways when they had Dwayne Wade just because I knew that you know, you know, he's going to get possessions and he, I mean, he still put up good numbers this year, but you know, he's also not going to be very diligent about getting back in transition. Um, he's obviously, you know, maybe a little bit better from three this year, but he's not a guy who's going to go nuts for three. Typically he's not going to space the floor the way, um, you know, some of these other guys can like a Meritich who, 
you know, Miritich, I, I forget if he if it was just in one of the games, but I mean, he DNP'd, I believe, in one of the games um, that that the Bucks beat the Bulls in. And it's fascinating to think of the changes this team has gone through because they lose Taj Gibson. You know, beginning of the season, you talk about this as a team that didn't have any spacing with Rondo, Wade, uh, Taj Gibson, and Rolo surrounding Jimmy Butler. Um, now you change it up and you put Paul Zipser, who you know can, can knock down a three, Nikola Mirotic, who obviously the Bucks saw could knock down a three, um, and. Robin Lopez, who always hits mid-range jumpers against the Bucks, and even Rajon Rondo, who you know the Bucks made him look like you know vintage Rondo today with 18 points, nine boards, and nine assists. And yeah, offensively, at least, I think I think the Bulls are a scarier matchup in a lot of ways when they've got that spacing out there around Butler. Maybe not a ton of spacing, but you know Miritich and Zips are certainly more spacing, I'd say, than than Wade and and Taj Gibson. Yeah. And, you know, Taj Gibson brings a lot. to but um, at least from a Bucks defensive scheme perspective, might actually be um, a little less scary than uh, than maybe the old the old combinations they had. So that, I thought that was interesting. They they tried to play Butler on Middleton early. Um, Giannis goes off, then they switched Butler onto to Giannis, and you know he didn't shut him down. Twenty two points on fourteen shots, uh, six of ten free throws. Had had some struggles from the line again today. Um, but, you know, he frustrated him a little bit. There were a couple of plays in the second half where Giannis drove and thought he was going to get fouled and, and didn't. One of those in transition, he kind of like threw the ball up over his head awkwardly. Um, I think Giannis was, was definitely a little bit frustrated, at least by Jimmy Butler. And um, I, I thought it was really interesting coming out of halftime. You wouldn't have seen this because you were at, in the arena. But um, Bucks assistant Eric Hughes was talking about, oh, well, you know, we we got to we got to send more guys at Butler. We got to get to him earlier. We got to attack him. Well, that, that kind of played right in the, into the Bulls' hands because the Bucks attacked Jimmy Butler and he just made them pay. And his playmaking was, I thought, tremendous today. I mean, again, six turnovers, but 14 assists. Um, yeah, I think he had nine assists in the first half. Um, his his ability to find guys when he was getting doubled, you know, corkscrewing. Uh, some of those you didn't weren't sure if he was going to be able to end up making a pass, but um, but he made some tremendous plays. I mean, we talk a lot about Giannis's playmaking, but... Um, Giannis is kind of one note as a playmaker, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, the creativity we saw from Butler today, uh, I thought was really impressive. And, you know, I think certainly if, if Chris and, and Giannis can kind of get to that point of um, drawing double teams and, and being so creative in, in kicking, you know, finding guys in the perimeter or, or going to the basket, um, I think that would make them even more dangerous. So, um, yeah, we saw why Jimmy Butler is a great player and. <laughs> why it's so ironic that the Bulls might actually trade him, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and earlier you had said that you thought he was probably the best player on the floor, and uh, I don't even think there was a doubt about it. Like The only other player that could compete for that was Giannis, and I, I didn't even think I, I didn't think it was close today. I, I thought Butler was that much better than him, and I mean, he was making plays defensively, finding his way into passing lanes, and kind of doing some of the stuff that you, you think of Giannis doing where he is making plays in the passing lane and getting breakaway dunks and doing those type of things. And uh, Butler was, was doing those, like you said, once the Bucks had gone up 43-30, to 30, after that point it was, it was kind of Jimmy Butler um, just taking over. And I guess the, I think the other thing that kind of colored this weekend, and obviously we can, we can talk a little bit more about the Hawks game and the Bucks winning that and maybe end the podcast on a positive note, um, but Chris Middleton has kind of struggled this weekend and today he was six of 17 um which isn't a a pretty line for chris middleton no free throws and uh, let's see he didn't have any turnovers today which was nice because he's been having some 
some pretty ugly turnovers um, in the last week, but only two assists, and yeah, just not a great day for for Middleton. And you take a look at Friday night, 1 of 13 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3, um, 3 assists, but 3 turnovers, 6 points, and it, it was just a, a bad game from Chris Middleton. And I put those two together, and all of a sudden, well, you have a bad weekend from Chris Middleton. Um, any thoughts on... I don't know, needless speculation for what what could be happening or kind of, I guess, kind of what you saw this weekend with Middleton and uh, why he was struggling the way that he was. Well, we, we talked on Friday about how he's, you know, he was not going to shoot 48 percent from three, you know, over a long period. Right. That's where he was going into Friday's game. Um, I mean, he was awful offensively in Friday's game, one out of 13, um, but did make some big plays late down the stretch. He had four steals today. He made some plays defensively there as well. Um, hit a couple big free throws against the Hawks, but, um, you know, yeah, just could not get anything going. I think the interesting thing uh, against Chicago with Butler switching over to Giannis, they, they did try to get Chris going to start the second half. They went to him, they had Giannis on the left elbow and then had basically little actions, um, coming from the right side for Chris. And he got a couple buckets right to start the half. He thought, okay, well maybe the bucks now are basically going to, you know, attack. I think it was Zipser guarding Middleton and say, okay, if you're going to try to take away Giannis by putting your best defender on him, we're going to go back the other guy. Cause we've got Chris Middleton and he's pretty good too. But you know, unfortunately, uh, I think he, I want to say Chris started like six or 11, six to 12. He finishes six out of 17. So, um, he missed a bunch of shots in the second half. And that, unfortunately that was kind of the, the story of the game for the bucks who, um, you know, just let the game sort of s- slip away from them in the third quarter. And, and then obviously they, they, you know, it got blown open even further in the fourth quarter. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we talked about, look, I mean, Chris is coming off a major injury. Um, you know, he, he's physically probably not all there yet. I mean, that, that would only be understandable. And uh, I probably got, we got a little bit spoiled with some of the consistency he was showing before this. Um, and today, you know, again, one of the problems I think with Chris is when he's not going, sometimes his reaction is to force it and take even harder shots. And, you know, we joke about Chris leading the, the tough shot express late in games. But, um, you know, on days like this, when he's frustrated, sometimes he had I mean, he had that one sequence, which was. Kind of, kind of telling, right, where he, he drove um, from the left side, thought he was going to draw a foul, puts up a, a tough shot, gets rebounded. He's complaining on the other end. Um, Butler hits a three-pointer, and then Middleton, while he hasn't even crossed half court yet, is getting a technical foul. It turns out into a four-point possession for Jimmy Butler and the Bulls. And, you know, that was kind of one of those backbreaker-type possessions that Normally, you don't think of Middleton being the guy who's costing you points like that, but that today as a, that sequence was really surprising to me because uh, I had a pretty good angle on it from where I was sitting, and I, I really thought he should have got teed up before Butler took that shot. Like I, I was surprised that I guess to steal a soccer term, they allowed the Bulls to play the advantage because play advantage yeah. because I mean he he thought he got fouled. He immediately clapped and yelled at the ref. And then, like you said, he didn't get back. And that whole time he was berating the ref. And then Middleton, or, and then Butler hits that three. And then all of a sudden they're at half court. And then Middleton got the technical. I really thought he should have got it almost immediately. Almost as soon as he missed that shot, clapped at the official and started yelling. So, um, but yeah, it, like, you, like you said, it was a total 
backbreaker. It, it was just brutal. And if the spirits of the Bucks weren't broken before that, that certainly made it happen. Yeah, I mean, and it seemed like there were too many of those. I mean, they had a couple moments in the fourth quarter where you thought maybe they were going to get a little momentum going. Um, and, and it's funny to look at the, you know, the, the, the box score a little bit of this game because, um, you know, it seemed like the Bulls had open three-pointers all day long, but you know, 10 out of 21. I mean, they didn't actually shoot that many threes. Um, Miritich was the only guy that really took a number of threes. He was six out of nine. Obviously, they they got killed by him. But Butler was one out of one. Zips are one out of two. Rondo, one out of two. Bobby Portis, 0 for two. Michael Carter-Williams, 0 for one. That would have been just the ultimate insult if MCW did a three. Uh, I mean, Cam Rondo P- had already hit one, and I thought yeah. that was pretty insulting. <laughs> if MCW right. would have got in on a two, yeah, I agree. Yeah, Denzel Valentine, one out of three. So basically, you know, four out of 12 from everybody who wasn't Nikola Miritich. Um, and then you look at kind of the rest of the shot chart. You know, the Bucks were plus 12 in the paint. They were plus 10 in fast break points. They got kind of got out. And, and started to do a little bit more maybe what they haven't done. Um, this was still a very slow-paced game, 91.7 in terms of pace. So again, the Bucks sort of glacial pace that they've had since Middleton's return sort of continued. Um, but the interesting thing, the area where they really got killed, and this is an area where, again, I mean, you know, normally the Bucks do not allow many. The Bucks are, are, you know, one of the worst teams in the league in terms of forcing teams to shoot mid-range jump shots. Today... They actually did do that somewhat, but the Bulls outscored them 28 to 4 in mid range. So it's sort of like, you know, you obviously would not look at this defensive effort and say, you know, good job, Bucks. I mean, they gave up 119 points per 100 possessions. That's bad by any measure. Um, they gave up 54% shooting, 48% from three. But by the same token, you know, only seven out of 10 free throws for Chicago. And you know, they just made a lot of shots as well, including obviously Lopez piled them up for mid range. And it just seemed like, especially in that third quarter, didn't matter where those guys were shooting from. It was going in. So, again, I'd say poor defense from the Bucks and good offense from Chicago in the sense that they were just making shots. And, you know, this was just one of those games. I think you just look at especially the lack of help that Giannis had. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon, 14 points. That was fine for assists, two steals, but missed about three layups. Um, and you know Monroe, sixteen points. He was pretty solid. But other than that, very little to write home about for the Bucks today. Um, you know, other than kind of Giannis, especially in that first quarter. So, you know, I don't want to say it's one of those burn the videotapes games. Um, but it's kind of one of those where, um, you know, it was not a good game for the Bucks and. Um, the Bulls compounded that by probably making shots they don't normally make either. I, I hate kind of the idea that it can just be a, a certain team's day, a certain team's game, whatever. Like that, there was nothing you're gonna be able to do. But I tweeted this out: third quarter, two fourteen left. The Bulls had just gone up eighty-seven to seventy-six, and at the time, their offensive rating was a hundred forty-two point three. Uh, the Bucks' offensive rating was 124.3. So, offensively, like again, you look at losing by 15 and think, "Oh man, maybe." And you think about the Bucks' day offensively and Middleton not being great and Giannis struggling for, or maybe not struggling, but just being quiet for stretches. And you think, "Man, they must have not made any shots." But offensively, they, they were fine for a good majority of that game. Like that third quarter was just absolutely insane from the Bulls and uh, it, it was just kind of tough to watch like the the Bucks just did not have any answers and like I said couldn't 
couldn't manage to actually cover Miritich, and it, it it was just an ugly quarter from the Bucks, and it, it put them behind the eight ball, and that was that was pretty much it. Um, I guess anything else you want to talk about in this Bucks game or in this Bucks Bulls game? Excuse me, Frank. Not really. I don't really want to talk more about Chicago Bulls fan being, but Bulls fans being happy. Um, so well, let's just move on. Let's 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 rewind to happier times on Friday. Although. I don't know. I, I flipped on to the end of the Hawks Nets game and to watch Atlanta lose by 15 points or something to the lowly Nets in Atlanta. Um, their seventh straight loss. So I, I, I don't know if, if beating the Hawks at home by three is, is necessarily that impressive. But obviously Friday night, um, you know, I think if anything, it was really a testament to, to Giannis because, you know, we mentioned Middleton and his tremendous struggles in that game. But um, my word, Giannis Adetokounmpo, uh, that was a game that, that he just decided the Bucks were not going to lose. And uh, 34 points, 13 rebounds, I think it was. Um, yeah, a tremendous steal and save uh, in the late game there. Uh, that was a huge win. And once again, the Bucks making some plays late in a game, which obviously we have not said with much frequency this season. And Brogdon Monroe were, were a big part of that finish as well. So um, a big win that drew them level in the standings. And they're they're still level today, all of the Hawks, um, by virtue of uh, owning the tiebreaker. They they remain uh, in the fifth seed, leaving the Bucks in the sixth, heading into, obviously, the, uh, the final stretch of the season. Can we talk about that tip, save, steal, everything? For the rest of our lives, because <laughs> I, I, man, just seeing that whole sequence unfold, I, I mean, I'm trying to think how many other players in the league can make that play, and it, it, it is a short, short list. Just for Giannis to, the Bucks go down, miss a shot, and then in a tight game like that, you could easily get frustrated or just kind of think like, all right, I got to get back in transition and just have your mind anywhere else other than, Oh, Dwight Howard or whoever it is, is about to throw this outlet pass. And the guy is close to me. Like if I can somehow tip this and he manages one to tip it, which was impressive. And then two, okay. If I can somehow get to it, Oh, I can, because I'm a freak show then you you get to it and then you still make the save and get it to Brogdon like that that play was just so incredible to me and to me showed the difference that you're seeing in Giannis this year like that that just doesn't seem to me like a play he would have made last year um just the the moment how clutch it was how badly they needed that extra possession and the fact that he had been asking during that time for the Bucks to go to to Brogdon and Monroe, like he he thought that was the best matchup because it would put Dwight in the pick and roll, and he thought they could take advantage of it, and just the selflessness and man, every cliche you could ever think about having for a star player, like that was all on display in that I don't even know five, ten, fifteen seconds, like it. it that that was just incredible to me. I I was totally in awe of that play. Yeah, and it's you know you normally think of clutch players, you think of of offense, right? You think of guys making big shots, and um, I think the cool thing with Giannis and and Chris as well uh, to some extent is that they've been making some clutch defensive plays as well. I mean, we've talked about 
Giannis and, and some of the big defensive blocks he's had in some of these games. He had a couple of huge blocks in the fourth quarter against the Timberwolves, well, I guess a couple weeks back maybe. Um, he had uh, a couple of huge plays against the Blazers uh, in that close game. Um, and obviously in, in this game, that steal was was a, a really, really crucial play in terms of getting the Bucks that extra possession, which which obviously they ultimately needed. And um, that's pretty cool to see. We You know, today <laughs> against Nikola Mirotic, uh, not Giannis's best day. I mean, he he lost Miritich a number of times uh, for open threes, um, and and today, especially on a day like this, you know, Miritich was was just on fire from deep. But um, for the most part, I think uh, you know, definitely really encouraging the way Giannis has has been defending in in, in clutch situations um, of late. And but but other than that, I mean, other than Giannis, you know, not a lot to look at it in this box score that that really makes you feel good. I mean. Monroe scored 14 points, but on 15 shots. He did have 10 boards uh, and like those two big finishes. Uh, Brogdon, 14 points, but on 14 shots. So not a, you know not, nothing efficient there, um, but did dish out those seven assists. Middleton, one out of 13 from the field. Woof. Um, three turnovers, six points, but had a couple big steals in the third in the fourth quarter also took a big charge in the fourth quarter um and i don't know maybe tony snell would be the only other guy that you'd say had like a good offensive game he was five and nine from the field three of six from three for 13 points and so you, you kind of shudder to think where the bucks would have been this weekend um if not for for Giannis really kind of carrying the load offensively and um you know i think the frustrating part with that game other than the fact that they almost lost it was Giannis goes for what 17 points eight boards three blocks and other stuff in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And then I think he didn't take a shot in the second quarter. Um, and, and that was a little bit of the story again today. Um, 10 points in the first quarter, only one point in the second quarter. Um, it seems like he's kind of like, you know, he'll go to the bench for that period. And then when he comes back, he's just, it's like he loses some of his aggression a little bit, maybe looking to get guy, other guys involved. And um, obviously, uh, you know, especially on these last couple of games where he hasn't necessarily had his teammates like Middleton, at the top of their game, um, you know, it's hard to ask Giannis to do much more than he already does. But, uh, you know, that's kind of one of those things like how, how does Giannis sort of make sure that he doesn't go quarter, you know, six minute stretches without taking a shot? You know, it's 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 one of those things. And, and we can obviously talk about play calling as well. But, you know, Giannis touches the, he touches the ball in these in these situations. It's not like Giannis is just standing in the corner, you know, look watching the play. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's still touching the ball. And um, in some cases, he's getting matchups that that he can exploit. And, um, you know, maybe that just sort of uh, unselfish gene in him kind of, you know, maybe get go, goes a little too far in, in terms of trying to get teammates involved because, um, you know, we know this is a team that, that certainly needs Giannis to score. And most nights he does. Um, but there are occasionally stretches where, you you know, you'd like to see him be maybe a little more selfish and, and look for a shot. Again, I, I'm kind of sad that this happened on a Friday night and happened on a Friday night of a, a crazy Badgers game. And the interview got got posted during that second half of, of the Badgers game against Florida. But I would suggest going and re-listening to the post-game interview I did with Giannis because I think there's this concern about second quarters and Giannis being out of the game too long or Giannis not having flow or whatever it may be. And and to me, when we talked about it, like most professional athletes, he knows exactly what happened in that game. Like when I ask a question, I'm talking in very just general ideas like, Oh, in the first quarter you did this. And then in the third quarter you did this. And 
I can maybe go as far to say like in the start of the third quarter or in the start of the fourth quarter, something like that. But when we talked, he was like, oh yeah, uh, I don't know, seven, seven and a half minutes into the third quarter, I thought we should start to do this. And in my mind, I was like, seven, seven and a half minutes? Like, I have no idea what was actually happening at that exact moment. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, like he can describe it in such detail that, that he's very much aware of what's going on and, and what's happening. And I just thought when I heard him say those things during those during that conversation that when he, when he doesn't take a shot for a long period of time, I don't think it's anything more than this is the time I need to get my teammates involved. And and I do think when you look at, I guess, his his closest peer, the guy that you really want to try to compare him to is LeBron in the way that he plays and the way that he can physically take over games, but also the way that he can involve his teammates. And I think one of the things that LeBron has mastered, I think a guy like CP3 has mastered, is they know how to get their guys involved, but they also know that hey, I'm really good, and my team needs me to score at times, and maybe I shouldn't go six minutes without shooting it. Like, this can be my six minutes that I'm going to get my teammates involved, and I'm going to give them the confidence that they will need to continue to play well as the game goes on. But if we're really struggling during this stretch and we really need a basket, I'm going to go get that basket. And and I think this is part of the development you're going to see of – Giannis the superstar Giannis the star player Giannis the man is he, he's trying to figure out how to harness all, all of his abilities and how to also harness the abilities of his team and I think at times there's there's two extreme of of motions if that makes sense that he'll come out and be very very aggressive and like you said that was what 17 points uh in the first quarter and then all of a sudden in his mind he's thinking oh i had 17 points like that's too much i was taking too many shots now let let me when i come back in this quarter make sure that i don't take any <laughs> and get everyone else involved and i just think there's extremes there and i i think he's trying to figure out how to do that like when to exert his will when to lay back a little bit and make sure Middleton or Brogdon get some confidence. And like I said, I, I would really suggest go listening to it. I'll, I'll tweet out the link again tomorrow when we release this podcast. But I, I really think you should go take a listen. And I think it kind of gives some insight to how a star player can help out his team best and how they they feel responsible for their team and how they feel responsible for trying to get their teammates going and get and keep their teammates involved and engaged. And um, I don't know, I've always just been very fascinated by how superstars do that. And uh, I've always thought that the best superstars do manage to do that, do manage to give their guys confidence and um, let them believe that they can make plays. And uh, I, I guess that and when Giannis talked about it, in that he said something about like, I don't need to give Malcolm confidence, Greg confidence. Like those guys have that confidence, uh, but allowing them to do this or saying that, Hey, we got this play at the end. That's really working. Like, let's go to that. That's our best matchup. Like I, that's me giving kind of the nod to them that, Hey, like go out there and make these plays. You guys can do this and you know how to do this. Like you don't need me to do this, but I'm, I'm going to do it. So I don't know. I'm totally fascinated by it. Go listen to it, and I'm curious what you think about it, Frank.
Well, let's let's turn the page. So the other interesting thing Giannis related, um, it didn't come up in the post game, but the the weirdest thing that Giannis did uh, late came late in the game, right at the end, um, and uh, the the Hawks had the ball, they had a chance to tie. They they get off a very difficult shot. I think it was Mike Dunleavy took a really difficult shot to try to tie it. Giannis gets a rebound and is fouled. Point two seconds left. He goes to the line. Bucks are up three. Um, misses the first free throw, and again, Bucks are up by three with 0.2 seconds left. So, you know, 0.2 seconds, the rule book says you can't catch and shoot with 0.2 seconds left. So the, the, the Hawks are in a bit, a bit of a predicament here because if Giannis misses, they rebound, they're never going to be able to call a timeout before the clock expires. If he makes it, they're down four. And if they're down four with 0.2 left, they can't actually do a catch and shoot. And the Bucks obviously can just sit down on the court because they're not going to foul <laughs> in any situation anyway. So really, at the end of the game, there's really nothing that matters. Like th- th- there's no real anything that can happen with the Bucks, um, with the Bucks facing that last free throw here by Giannis. Um, but apparently, Kids instructs him to miss. It looked like to miss the free throw intentionally. Giannis looked like he kind of like didn't understand it, or like you know, probably like I was describing, probably didn't understand why it would matter. If the Bucks were up four with 0.2 seconds left, what you know, what asteroid could hit them from that uh, point on that that could actually change the outcome of the game? Um, so he tries to make the free throw, it rattles out, and then uh, as he's walking off, uh, Kid kind of grabs him and, and looks like he kind of gives him like a talking to, and then Middleton kind of is like looking at him weird and probably asking him like, well, why didn't you miss on purpose? Because you're supposed to. Anyway, weird moment. Giannis had this kind of befuddled look on his face. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, it's just one of those weird things. I posted the video. I don't know why kid thought it was important that Giannis missed the free throw. Really didn't matter either way. Um, there, there is no planet on which the Hawks were going to win the game at that point. Um, but it did lead to some just kind of general strangeness at the end of the game. And um, ultimately, obviously, it seems like everybody had kind of forgotten about it. Uh, by by post game, but um, it was sort of a, a strange footnote on a, a game that obviously the Bucks squeaked out. It, it was funny because obviously post games kind of always a blur. Like like you're in a hurry to move from where you're sitting to uh, get to the the press conference room and talk to kid, and then get to the locker room. And in that time, I had I don't even know a, a bunch of tweets like, "Oh, you should ask kid about whatever," and. I didn't see it because again, like there's a bunch of stuff as you mentioned before that I'm not going to see on TV because I'm there in person. And the way I like had imagined it was like kid like yelled at Giannis, like got into his face, and like there was some more like high drama. And I you sent me a video. I assume probably the video you ended up ultimately posting. And like I tried to watch it quick and watch it. I was like, eh maybe there was something there and ultimately like I didn't get a chance to ask about a post game with kid and then like I said when I was talking with Giannis like I went in with the mindset like oh I should ask him about this and ultimately totally forgot to do so and I think me totally forgetting to do so is probably symbolic of how much I thought of it um because I I, I didn't really think it was all that like important or groundbreaking or really anything like that. Like it's certainly strange. Like, don't get me wrong, but I assume that that was kind of just a, a situation that a coach wanted to go over. And again, I don't, like you said, 
it wouldn't have mattered literally what happened there. Whether he missed it, whether he made it, no matter what, there was no way that the Hawks were winning that game. But I assume it's probably one of those coach-speaky things where it's like, well, this is the situation, and we want it executed a certain way, and you didn't execute it that way, and then it's all of a sudden something. But, yeah, I, I really... Like I said, me forgetting to ask about it probably says everything I wanted to say. Like it, it just didn't end up in me, in my mind, being all that important. No, probably not. And you know, it is what it is. The Bucks split the weekend series. Um, they now go out on the road. Uh, they get the Hornets on Tuesday, followed by the Boston Celtics on the road on Wednesday. So a pretty big back to back. You know, Charlotte has been kind of all over the place, generally disappointing this season. Um, But they're a team that, you know, again, is is trying to sort of stay competitive uh, in the East playoff race, trying to scratch and claw, see if they can get themselves um, back into uh, the discussion, at least in in the East. Um, They're at 32 and 40 right now. Um, so, you know, the, they're what, a game and a half back of, uh, the bulls and pistons who are tied for the eight spot. So, um, this is a big game for Charlotte. Uh, and again, as I said, they've been inconsistent. Um, but you know, they split their last 10, uh, they do have a positive point differential. They have a, a better point differential than the bucks actually right now. And that's probably an interesting time to point out that in the first 55 games of the season, the bucks had a point differential total total not not per 100 possessions or anything but just total points for points against of plus 15 so basically they were pretty much right about even in the 18 games since the all-star break the bucks are 12 and 6 their point differential is plus 4 total <laughs> so basically they've been a 500 of team course. but they've won two-thirds of their games and and we mentioned this the other day that um that they've been definitely getting the you know some breaks, making some plays late in games, which they normally you know previously hadn't done, and they probably you know it was probably one of those things I would argue that they weren't as bad as they were in crunch time previously. I mean, for them to be the worst crunch time team in the league, like it, people say, like oh they're young. Okay, they're not. I don't care how young they are. They're not the worst team in the <laughs> league. Bad in crunch. Like there's no. The only way you can be, be young bad. enough is if they were literally babies. Right. The Phoenix Suns are in this league, right? The this, the Philadelphia seventy sixers, the late. Lakers, those teams exist. They they play crunch time too sometimes, don't they? They're not the worst in the league. So how the hell are the Bucks the worst in the league? So anyway, I mean, I'm sure whatever you know, the youthful indiscretion stuff like could could lead them to be, you know, worse than than they are otherwise. But that never made any sense. Um, and sure enough, I think the when I looked it up, Bucks were five and nine in games decided by five points or fewer uh, to start the season. And since then, they've been five and zero. Oh, and I think the first one of those uh, that I was looking at was that I want to say it was the uh, Nets game in Brooklyn. They won by four, one twenty nine, one twenty five. So, you know, again, encouraging things from the Bucks. They're winning games. All these are positive things. Um, but before you know, we kind of go to, and I think we were trying to kind of temper expectations a little bit that that people not go totally you know, off the deep end with, with, oh, this team's going to, you know, win a first round series, things like that. But, um, this is still a team that is just kind of getting by. And the difference is now they're, they're winning a lot of these games that they didn't. And obviously 12 and six since the all-star break is, is terrific. And, um, you know, ultimately it's about winning and losing, right. And, and you can't take, take away those wins. Um, but again, I think it, it does also, 
make you a little nervous when when you look at the schedule and you know you look at the Bucks, a team that you know once again could not get. <laughs> I think they were twenty and eighteen at one point. Uh, that was the high water mark before it's kind of, they went on the skids a bit, um, had a chance to go three games above 500 for the first time this year. Once again, failed to do so today, despite obviously having a very good chance and they um, refuse, they (laughs) refuse. So, um, so yeah, I'm a little bit nervous. Um, and and, you know, again, I mean, I think they should make the playoffs. I think, uh, they dropped to, I believe 87% likely to make the playoffs at 41, 41, uh, on five thirty eight after today's action. Um, other teams like the Hawks and Pistons just being completely awful and falling apart. Um, hey, that that helps. More of that, please. Um, but some big games coming up in Charlotte, in Boston, and then coming back and playing those struggling Pistons and then the Mavericks at home. So uh, again, you would love to uh, again if you go you know one and three or even zero oh and four in that stretch, that could be a potential killer. Um, so you just want to kind of continue to play good basketball, give yourself a chance to win. And, um, you know, again, if you can split those or, or take three out of four, obviously, you know, at this point, um, that would, would probably be a good thing just in terms of keeping, keeping pace with everybody else. And the way the league is going right now, I mean, you're probably going to make up ground if you go three and one in, in, or maybe even two and two in the next four games against those teams. Yeah. It's a, it's a big week for the bucks, four games in one week. Obviously you start with that back to back with Charlotte, who's in the playoff race and Boston, who's ahead of the bucks in the playoff race and a team that the bucks still have to play two times this season. So it's an interesting week for them. Obviously they still need to try to get some wins. They still need to try to have some of that urgency. And after the game, one thing Jason Kidd said was the, the bulls played with more urgency that they were playing for their season and they knew it. And that's what they, they came out and brought and the bucks will probably see a desperate team in the Hornets. So they're, they're going to have to bring it and they're going to have to be able to try to get some wins this week and try to get themselves a, a better playoff position and make that positioning more secure. And like you said, it, it seems like no matter what, uh, the East is going to keep them in the playoffs because uh, everyone else is just a pit of despair right now. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's going to be an interesting week and uh, the Bucks have some games to win. So we'll, we'll see about that. Um, playoff probability, you said 87%. I just want to we're, this is where we're ending podcast now, so I just want to double check. I believe that is what it was. I'll double check one more time just in case I don't trust. By the way, the Bucks had a 72% likelihood of winning today's game, so that sucks. Um, uh, 88%, sorry, short okay. change in by, by 1%. 88% projected at 41 and 41. Um, looking at the other teams kind of in their bracket, uh, Pacers also projected at 41 and 41. They won today. The Hawks, 41 and 41. They, of course, lost today. And, you know, the Hawks, they have a couple that, you know, they had a, a favorable schedule coming up. They also have, I believe, the Suns and Sixers next. Um, but they just lost at home to the Nets. So who knows, especially with some of the injuries they have. Um, Pistons, 37 and 45. Not great. Hornets, 37 and 45 projected. Uh, also not great. Bulls, 40 and 42. Heat, also 40 and 42. So, um, you know, if you look at that kind of group of teams, including the Hawks, uh, Hawks, Bulls, Pacers, Bucks, Hornets, uh, Pistons, Bucks actually still have the highest probability of making the playoffs of all those. So um, that's still a positive thing. But 
you know, no, uh, no time to, to sit back and, and wait at this point. It's, uh, it's obviously crucial the Bucks continue to go out and, and give themselves a chance to win, especially with some of these road games coming up. All right, that's going to be it for us for today on Locked On Bucks. Uh, recapping the weekend, obviously the Bucks won 197 against the Hawks on Friday. They lose 109 to 94 here on Sunday against the Chicago Bulls. Uh, so they they like we said refuse to go three games over 500. They just won't do it this year um haven't done it yet but 37 and 36 now are the milwaukee bucks and yeah we'll get you ready by the by the the way eric i i i can't believe i didn't bring up the awesomeness of that Giannis windmill on friday so i'm just gonna do that oh wow was that that might have been his best windmill yet that just the way it went through taking out from the dotted line i mean god that's that's a beautiful thing his windmills are impossible because they're so large and like the best way for me to describe it is most guys like are going to do a windmill and kind of like on the side like he like legitimately nba jam like that thing goes 360 degrees you 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 know what i'm talking about like when the guy gets in the air and just keeps windmilling and windmilling and windmilling on like the old nba jam (laughs) like he's actually able to get like that full circumference of the circle It, it is just absolutely incredible i swear his like shoulder must just like unhinge but man his windmills are wildly impressive at, at some point he's gonna just like plow one off the back iron and it's gonna go like 80 feet up in the air and he'll <laughs> miss one but uh he had one you know he does i mean i i think there, there are two sort of general styles styles of windmills right there's the sort of like ones that he usually does where, where he's kind of basically bringing it over the top sort of going forwards but he, he'll also do those two-handed kind of you know sort of like wave around in front of him windmills he's done a few of those as well yep. and he had one against the, I think it was the Jazz, where I swear to God, I thought he was going to hit the ground before he pulled it off. And he got it in and he dunked it. And just like for him, I mean, with that length, that athleticism, he gets ahead of steam going. Um, it's it's just a very, a very, very beautiful thing to see in, in person as well as on TV. And I, God, I must have watched a replay of that thing about 50 times. So, um yeah, that that's what I put myself to sleep with after that Badgers loss. Let's not, let's not talk about it. Let's talk more about Giannis Windmills, but um, hopefully this week we'll have a couple more. I will say he does make most fast breaks he's on worth the price of admission, and that's yes. not true of all stars. Like Some stars no. are just like, yeah, whatever, I'm here. Uh, didn't Jimmy Butler have a lame one today? No, give me a show. You're a star. Let's see what you got, and Giannis for the most part does that. So so that makes me happy. That, that makes me, as, as a fan... Happy to see him actually willing to do that. Exert yourself. Have some fun. Um, let all the fans have some fun as well. So that's going to be it for us on Locked on Bucks today. Frank, I'm very happy you interjected and made sure we mentioned it because it was incredible. Um, that'll be it. Obviously, that was Frank Madden. I'm Eric Name. This has been Locked on Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow to get you ready for the game against the Charlotte Hornets. See ya.